chapter 16. We're going to be in John today. You're like, oh, you told us to read John. We are going to be in John, but uh, I wanted to kind of share with you um, today a little bit of um, context and a little bit of a broader uh, understanding to what Jesus means when he says, follow me. That's the title of today's message is follow me. And so I want to share with you uh, a little bit of insight to what Jesus means by follow me when he says in Matthew 16. And then we're going to go back over to John chapter, uh, well, John chapters 13 through about 21. <laughs> so we won't read the, all of that, but I want to show you a little bit of insight. Do we, did we have a problem that shut down on us? Okay, we'll, there it is. There it is. Okay, we'll, we'll see. Technology, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. Um, but I did put in some notes today just because I want you to be able to follow real closely because I want you to be able to understand what the Scriptures is teaching today and, and remember it and apply it to your life and really think about these things because the things that I teach in here are not just for me to hear myself talk or for us to just get through the hour and then go home. I really want you to take what is taught from the Scriptures uh, and allow God to uh, move you and shape you and mold you into who He's wanting you to be so that you can be a greater warrior for Jesus Christ. The world needs you. It really does. The world needs you to be moved and uh, carried along by the Holy Spirit so that you would be able to build the kingdom of God and be Jesus to a lost and dying world. Okay, so the, the title of today's message is Follow Me. And while I've got Matthew 16, 24 as kind of this uh, jumping off point, I'll quickly go to John and we'll even end up, if we have enough time, in the book of Acts. And so uh, turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Um, that verse says, if anyone uh, would come after me, uh, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So I really want to just ask a couple of questions here. Really, I'll end up asking three questions. Number one, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And I think that we kind of have this understanding, well, we, it's just a spiritualized term that, you know, it just means that you are to try to be like Jesus. Okay, well, yeah, okay, try to be like Jesus. Okay, but what does that mean exactly? What does it mean? And what did Jesus mean when he was talking to the disciples doing this, uh, saying these things? What, what was he saying, follow me in the present time, in that culture, in that context? What was he saying? What was he saying when he said, follow me? And I think he had a very, very practical meaning when he said, follow me, because he tells us here, he says, you must take up your cross and follow me. Let's read a little bit more in those verses. Look at <clears throat> Matthew 24, Matthew 16, verse 24. Listen to what he says. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. What Jesus is saying here says, if you want to follow me, you must take up your cross every day and follow me. For the one who wants to save his life will lose it. So we have a very practical teaching here. It means that Jesus Christ is expecting a literal following after what he is about to do. And what is he about to do? Anybody, come on. He's about to die. How? On a cross. 
He's about to take up his cross, and he's about to march through the city, uh, having insults hurled at him, already bleeding, already torn apart by the cat of nine tails. <clears throat> and he's telling the disciples, this is the same fate that will befall you if you want to come after me. And if you want to come after me, this is what you'll have to do, is to walk in this way, is to follow me in this way. Basically, he's saying, if you want to save your life, your worldly, uh, comfortable um, uh, easy life and neglect mine, then you will lose your real life. What is your real life? It's your eternal life. You see, there's two, uh, there's two things that we're dealing with here. It's the flesh and the spirit. We can seek to save the flesh, to make it easy in the flesh, to hold on to money and things and, uh, and influence and power and respect. Or we can be willing to let all of those things go that we might have uh, the ability or we might have the privilege of being like Jesus and doing the things that he did. Now, <clears throat> what does it mean to follow Jesus? In the specific context right here, it means that there's coming a time where you'll have to lay down your life for Jesus Christ to his disciples. There's coming a time where you'll have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And I ask you this morning, are you following Jesus? Not just in, oh yeah, I follow Jesus, I do good stuff. No, what I'm asking you is, is that is Jesus Christ and his mission, his, his word, his will, is it more important to you than yours? Are you willing to lose whatever you love dearly for the cause of Jesus Christ? And I'm telling you, if you desire to hold on to what is yours in a greater way that makes you turn your back on what is his, then you will have had your reward. And you'll have it here and you'll live your life. And it might be a good one, worldly speaking. You may have plenty of money and you may never be persecuted. You may never go through trials. You may never go through uh, these, these troubles and these pains and these toils uh, for the cause of Christ. But your ease will have been your reward. And when you stand before God, he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. You've already been rewarded. Now it's time for you to pay. Okay? But there's a second question I want to ask too. And we'll talk more about what it means to follow Jesus. But there's a second question. The second question is, <coughs> the second question is, <laughs> how do we follow him? How do we follow him? And I don't think it's going to be how you think it's going to be. And it's not how I often go back to thinking that it is. You say, what are you talking about? Can somebody grab me a little water? My mouth's getting dry already. We oftentimes think we're going to follow Jesus by decide. I have decided. No, you ain't. Jesus tells even the disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I have decided, no. He decided to, to, to come to you and show you his glory and radically transform you from darkness into light and to work inside of you and to mold you and shape you and make you his own. And without that, we are hopeless in following Jesus Christ. You say, well, I'm not. I, I'm a good person. I'm decided. I've, I've, set, I've set rules on my life. I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated. You can have all the dedication you want. You can have all the desire. 
You can grit it and you can will it. You can set things in place. But until there's a heart transformation, until the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms you and does a work in you, you cannot please God. Apart from faith, it is impossible to please God. Well, let's don't start preaching yet. We're just asking questions. So let's look here. What does it mean to follow Jesus? So we're asking two questions, and actually I'm going to ask a third, okay? Well, we'll get to that here in just a minute. The first question is, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And we've already said to follow Jesus in that context, he was telling the disciples that you're about to, to follow me where I'm going, and I'm going toward the cross. I'm going to pick up a cross, I'm going to carry it, I'm going to die on it, and you're going to need to follow me in the same way if you're truly my disciples, right? Now, what, is that, what does that mean? What is the, can we go deeper into that? What, what did it mean when Jesus even went to carry his cross? What was, the, what was the substantive meaning? What was the substance of it? What, what, why did he do that? What was the big picture? What was he doing? And while I think in the immediate context, we can find that there was a practical application. There was something really going on. There was going to be a real place to follow him. <clears throat> and that place would be uh, to, to, to Calvary, to, um, to this place of sacrifice, to this place of hurting and pain. But, but I want to say to you that there is a, I think there's a greater meaning. There's a bigger picture going on right here. Let's turn over, if you will, with me uh, to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, 31 through 35. Jesus was not teaching to follow him to a location, uh, not even heaven. Not even heaven. See, some people think, oh, what Jesus means, if you want to follow me into heaven, then these are the things that you're going to have to do. No, that is not what he's talking about. He's not talking about heaven even. Well, you say, what do you mean, Brandon? I, I, thought, it was, I thought it was heaven. I thought it was this bliss. I thought, no. Jesus was not teaching to follow him to a location, not even heaven, but to a place of sacrifice and a place of love. He was actually leading them to a, to a state of being. He was leading them to an altogether otherness that was out of this world. He was leading them to a place of divine love that the world had never known. A place of sacrifice and selflessness that could not be grasped by the world and not even by the disciples before the Holy Spirit had entered into them. You see, we always think about ourselves. Always. We're born selfish human beings. And even from childhood to adulthood, we can't help to say, well, this ain't what I want. This, this ain't what I think it should be. I, 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 I'm not happy. And so I'm going to be mad. And I'm going to cause a problem. And I'm going to cause a stink. And if they don't do what I want them to do, you see, we're all like this. Me too. Well, I just don't think my wife should act that way, even though my wife never does anything wrong. Yours does, but mine don't. <laughs> I just don't think she should be like that. I think she should be like this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw a fit until she does what she's supposed to do and what I think she should do. You see, we're so selfish that it takes supernatural intervention to bring us out of our selfishness and into selflessness. Jesus Christ was the only selfish human being that ever touched the face of the earth. And the only reason he could be that way is because he was filled full of the Holy Spirit. 
And if you want to be like Jesus, if you want to follow him into that place of sacrifice and love, you will need to be filled with the Holy Spirit just like he was. He could not have done it if he wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. He couldn't have done it if he wasn't God in the flesh, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the love of the Father, by the will of the Father, according to the power of the Spirit. He could not have done it. So let's look at John 13. So we looked at Matthew 16. We talked a little bit about following, and, and, and uh, Peter was about to have to follow Jesus into this place of sacrifice. But I want to give it a little more insight about that place. Listen to <clears throat> Listen to John 13, starting in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. You know, you see now, he told them to follow him, but now he says, but where I'm going, you cannot come. Well, wait, wait a minute. What, but, but Jesus, you said, yeah, I did. I did, but it's not yet. Where I am going, you cannot come. You see, most people relate that to heaven. No, it, that wasn't yet. This is not the point of the decision. This is the point of the crucifixion. He's about to go to the cross, and he says, you can't do it yet. And I know that that's what he's talking about because Peter says, oh, yes, I will. I'll follow you, and I'll lay down my life. And Jesus doesn't say, praise the Lord, Peter. You're going to do what I did came to do. No, he doesn't say that at all. What does he say? Well, let's continue on, although I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself here. <laughs> Uh, let's skip down to 36 because we're going to have to come back. because I don't want to skip forward. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. See, he says, you can't follow me if you want to be my disciples. Yes, but you can't do it yet. Darn. But later, later you'll be able to. But he goes on, Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. You know, he's like this this will. He said, I will. I will. So many people are trying to do everything by their will. Oh, your will's terrible. Everybody's like, free will. If you're giving over to your free will, then you're just absolutely, totally just, it's over. Because ain't no man ever sought after God. Thy will be done. He said, I will follow you. Jesus is like, dude. The, the rooster's not even going to crow three times and you're going to deny me in front of a little girl. Come on, dude. He's like, you're lying. He's like, I will. Jesus is like, you won't. He won't. He won't do it. But let's go back up, though, because we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. <clears throat> go back up to John 13, 31 through 35. Let's finish up there. Yet a little while, and uh, a little while I am with you, you will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. Now, what was the stipulation of being his disciple in Matthew chapter 16? Following him. 
following him. What is the stipulation here? That you love one another. And what is, what is he going to say in John chapter 15, verses 21 through 22? Listen to what he says here. In, the, in a couple of chapters later, this is my commandment. I give you a new commandment. John 15 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You see it? Jesus says, I'm going somewhere, and you're going to need to follow me and do like I do. And that's the new commandment, is that you love one another as I have loved you. You see the following? You're going to have to do what I do. You're going to have to sacrifice yourself like I, I sacrifice myself. But you cannot follow yet. You cannot love like this yet. You can't. This, that's why it's a new commandment. Because they have been trying to do this forever and they can't do it because the Holy Spirit hadn't come this way yet. And the only time they ever did do it was a supernatural appearance of the whole Holy Spirit to enable them to do something that they were not able to do yet. We need the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ says, you've got to follow me into this type of selfless, sacrificial love like I'm about to do. But where I'm going, you cannot come yet because you do not have the ability to do so within your own will. Peter says, I will. Jesus says, no, you can't. No, you can't. Well, let's look at a... <coughs> I love the example of Peter because he's, uh, he's jacked up. And he gives me hope. Because I'm jacked up. Look at Matthew chapter 22. This is another. This is another example. I might have that. That's not where I want to go. That, that's another description. I'll, I'll go ahead and read that for you. This is talking about the love of Christ and the commandment. Listen to what he says in 34 through uh, 40. He says, but when the Pharisee, this is speaking of the commandment of love. I'm about to go and show you the example of Peter. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall, not, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. So this is what Jesus Christ came to do, and this is what he is going to do and this is what he did do but we can't do it without the fulfillment fulfillment of uh, his death resurrection and ascension and him sending back the holy spirit to empower us to do that now flip on over to how can how can we do this how do we follow him um we follow him by the Spirit. We've already touched on this, but I want to show you now uh, this example of uh, John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. I'm getting a little bit mixed up because I wanted to show you that. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself, but, but don't worry about that right now. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. We'll go back to that in just a second. I want to show you something here, and this is absolutely consistent with everything that we've been teaching. So uh, let's slow down a little bit. Jesus tells Peter, follow me. If any man desires to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If any man wants to be my disciple, that's what he's got to do. Well, G uh, Peter is very anxious. Now, I, okay, I think this is the place we may just forget about the screens. Listen, here's where I think a lot of us, you, I don't want to be like me doing like this because I'm, I'm here, right? Like this. Uh, here's where I think a lot of us are. We have practical knowledge of who Jesus is. We have head knowledge of what he did. We are aware of what he commands. And I think we feel in our spirit. 
spirit in our spirit. Not, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit yet. We feel in our consciousness. We feel in our being what Christ is calling us to, to love. And I think, I think the whole world sees it. Now, I'm not saying they do it, but everyone is aware that there is a God. Everyone is aware that there is a standard. And all of them know that they are sinning, but they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans chapter 1. So all of the liberals and legalistic conservatives, all of them, who do all of these things, thinking that they're doing right, apart from the person and work of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit by the will of the Father, are doing all of these things in vain and actually counterintuitive to what Jesus Christ said is ultimate reality. And let me, let me simplify that a little bit. Jesus is saying, look, yes, follow me. Follow me. But it's not a physical willing of the flesh that you go through motions in order to fulfill a checklist. But it is an intimate, intertwined, deep down, deep-seated inner being relationship with the God of heaven who desires to be your father. And the father has sent the son to pay a sin debt that you had that was keeping you from having this deep-seated inner being relationship with the Father. So the Son says, I'll go. I'll go willingly. He said, nobody takes my life from me. Nobody has authority over me. This is Jesus' words. I have authority over myself. I lay my life down and I pick it up again. Nobody takes my life from me. This was a willing sacrifice of the son. Well, the father willed it. He sent Christ after the children. Christ does the work to secure the children. But then the Holy Spirit, this is the, this is the part we forget. We say, oh, I believe in Jesus. Oh, I accept your sacrifice. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm clean. But we never received the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying it's a conscious thing. I'm not saying we just stop short. We stop short at mental ascent to Jesus Christ. We say, oh, yeah, I believe. But belief, true belief, true faith is an indwelling. It's, a, it's, a, it's an action. It's not a statement. It is a progressive action that, that Jesus Christ sends the Holy Spirit, and he takes residence inside of you. He does a work of justification, which takes away your sins, but then it is an ongoing work of sanctification by which he is causing you to follow him. Another word for it is sanctification. It is a continual work that he's doing inside of you. He's molding you, conforming you into the image of the Son. <clears throat> so we stop short. We, we come in, we say, yes. But then we just say yes and walk away. And I'm trying to help you to see. I'm, try, I'm trying to understand that this is an ongoing, continual relationship and process with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit by which the Holy Spirit moves, lives, and breathes in you and works and, and fruit and all of these things come out of you, evidencing that you truly are born again. Let's get back to the text. How do we follow him? We can only follow him by the Spirit. John 20. Turn over to John 20. Okay. <clears throat> nope. How do we follow him? 
why does this thing keep jumping around? This is driving me crazy. <laughs> we cannot follow him by the will. Oh, you already understand this. I've already talked to you about this, but I need to show you the scripture. Because what I want to show you is, is that all of your determining and all of your willing, you need to, you need to stop that. Okay, you say, well, you're telling me I shouldn't want or will to, to go with God. No, 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 that's not what I mean. What, I'm, what I mean is you need to stop thinking that you're going to please God by all of the things that you do. This is scripture. Paul says it too. The whole Bible says it, but Paul says it too. He says, he says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He says, having started by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the works of the flesh? I say, I'm not making this up. You know, it's not like I've went all Pentecostal, you know, all of a sudden. No, this is Bible. Paul's very clear. You see, we have this thing pulling. We want to, we want to, let me figure it out. Give me the, give me the game plan. I can do it. No, you can't. You've got to submit yourself to the Spirit of God. Well, in John 13, 36 through 38, we see what I had ta started to talk about a while ago. <coughs> he tells them, I've got this new commandment. The new commandment is to love one another as I have loved you. So it's this sacrificial love. And, and the Spirit's work does show itself in action. You see, so there is a beautiful dance and balance between Spirit and works or Spirit and truth. Uh, the works that, that flow out of true faith. <coughs> but you can't put the one in front of the other. And we oftentimes do that because we're very pragmatic people. But look in uh, John chapter 13. And this is, this is Peter's attempt here. We've already touched on it. <coughs> but I want to show you Simon Peter. So Jesus tells them this, that, you know, love one another. And then Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Where are you going? See, he still didn't get it. He didn't get it. He, he wasn't talking about physically where he was going. He was talking about what he was going to do. And, and Peter's like, where are you going? And so Jesus says, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, uh, Lord, why can I not follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? He likes to answer Peter, especially with questions. Remember the time he asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, then feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. The third time, it's like, Peter, do you love me? And it says, Peter was grieved in his spirit because he asked him a third time, do you love me? And he's like, Jesus, you know everything. You know I love you. We're going to go there here in just a minute because he says, feed my sheep. And when he said that, he said, follow me. But what had happened? Oh, we, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, where are we again? Oh, uh, uh, John 13. He says, will you lay down your life for me? See, that's what he's asking you. You're like, I love Jesus. I'm sure if Jesus heard that, he'd be like, do you really? Because tomorrow I'm going to do just something as simple as whisper in your ear when you're in the landmark saying, hey, talk to that girl about Jesus. And you're going to say, no, Lord. We laugh, but how many times? How many times? Jesus is like, the, the Spirit's like, hey, give that guy a five and tell him Jesus loves him. Hey, go over there and pray with that, that family. Hey, go share the gospel. Hey, turn around and, and, and talk to that guy who was on the side of the end. Hey, hey, hey. And, we're, and sometimes we're like the guys who, we, we say we're Christians. I'm, almost, I'm about to just dance on y'all's toes because my toes are already sore. These shoes are too small for me. 
We say we love Jesus. We say with our mouths that we love Jesus, but our, our actions are far from him. We say we love Jesus, but if you'll remember, now this is just coming to me, so I think this is God here, okay? Not me. We say we love Jesus, but we do what the people did who was hearing Stephen lay down the gospel. Does anybody remember what they were doing? It says, it says they put their fingers in their ears and they yelled, Hallelujah! You see, God's like, I got something for you to do. I got some work for you. My son Ezekiel, he does this. <laughs> Yesterday he had a friend over and he wasn't acting very good. And and I was I was in the I was working in the in the closet. I was trying to get a closet done. And I hear Heather and him in the next room and she's chastising him, you know, she's telling him what's up and you know, I think she even popped him. Did you pop him? Good on you, girl. And <laughs> I think she popped him and, and he's got an attitude. He really does. And he was sitting there on the floor after she had popped him, sitting there. That's what he did. And I came in there, and I was trying to be reasonable. I guess it's a timing thing, you know, for him especially. I was trying to be reasonable. I said, in a very calm voice, I said, Z, buddy, this is why it's hard for us to bring your friends over. Because you act crazy. I said, look. You've got company, and you're having to sit in our bedroom floor while your friends are playing. And he just goes, <laughs> and I said, and you're not going to be able to leave until you can act right. And he's like, but you're just trying to make me cry more. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm trying to teach you. And he goes, please stop talking to me. <laughs> Literally, that's really what he did. <laughs> and we think that's funny, but that's what we do. God's like, we're like, I'm in a mess. And God's like, I've been trying to tell you how to fix the mess. We're like, la, 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 la. Hey, tell the truth. That was you yesterday. God had to drag you out of the house this morning kicking and screaming just to make it here. Well, to show you that this is the reality of the situation with even the disciples. Check this out. Matthew chapter 16. Man, I'm way ahead of schedule. This is great. I can preach for twice as long. Check out Matthew chapter 16. This is so good. And this is why I was telling you a while ago, I got ahead of myself, but this is why I was telling you a while ago that Peter really gives me hope. Because I have, I have such a problem obeying, you know, I, I do, and <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying a lot, I'm trying now, see, it's really weird language, because you're like, I'm trying to do what's right, but should you do, or is it being, or it's like, I don't know, you know, but I think that God, Chuck Mullinax, I'll give him credit for this, I'm, I'm against legalism, if you can't tell. Like, I just, you know, I keep that dead horse around just so I can hit it from time to time, make me feel better. I hate legalism. I hate trying to fit into a mold and trying to checklist, you know. God's not a checklist, I, so I hate legalism. 
But I can often have a reaction so dramatic and so uh, strong towards legalism that I can throw a, a baby out with the bathwater. And this is what I mean. Discipline, disciplining yourself is not a bad thing. Uh, setting some guidelines for yourself, that's not a bad thing. It's when we try to build our relationship according to those things and to make God love us by those things that it becomes a bad thing. Chuck, he gave me this insight, and I thought it was good. He said, Brandon, there's a, there's a clear distinction between legalism and works of the flesh and being spiritually disciplined. I thought, oh, that's good. Because one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. And that we need, Paul says, I beat my flesh, I beat my body, and I make it my slave. So after having preached the gospel, I will not fall short of it myself. So we must, <laughs> we must seek the Lord. Paul says, I pray, I say that you should earnestly seek the gift. So there are things that you need to do. But the big thing is the motivation and the source by which we do them. Jesus Christ said, my kingdom is not of this world. You are, not to, you are in this world, but you are not to be of this world. Your source, your power is altogether different. You are carried along by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says in, in Matthew chapter 16. And Jesus answered, <clears throat> let's get back up to 13. Now when Jesus came into the district of uh, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Simon replied, uh, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one uh, that he was the Christ. So God, the Father, had been working in Peter's life. He had, been, he had revealed some things. Jesus plainly said about the disciples, they didn't choose him, but he chose them. He said in John chapter 6, he said, all that the Father has given to me, they will come to me, and I will not lose one. So Peter was starting to be set apart by the power of God, and it was starting to be revealed to him just who Jesus was. So he was coming to this realm of true faith, true saving faith. And Jesus Christ, when he ascended into heaven, he would send the Holy Spirit to seal Peter and to empower Peter to do the work of the Lord. But up to this point, it was the Father calling and drawing Peter. And, and, and some might argue with me on this, but I'm telling you, it very well seems to me that Peter in this moment is still being drawn. All through the disciples walk with Jesus Christ, they seem to be being drawn into this relationship. They don't understand it. Many times they say, what do you mean? Many times Jesus even looks at them and says, the things I am saying right now, you cannot understand. You cannot grasp what I am saying. But there is coming a time when you will be able to grasp it. What was the time of coming? It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But in this moment, see, he had a moment of, 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 of clarity, a moment of perspective, a moment of heavenly perspective. And he says, you are Christ, son of the living God. And, 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 and Jesus is like, yeah, yeah, the Father gave you that because we know it ain't coming out of you, Peter. <laughs> we know you, Peter. <laughs> God must have revealed that 
Because look, look later. <coughs> verse 21. We're just going to continue reading. We just got finished with verse 20. Verse 21. Listen to what it says. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And all, see, when he shows him where he's got to go. Now, Peter had just said, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And, and, Peter, and Jesus is like, yeah. But here it is now. Jesus is like, you know what that means? Peter's like, uh-uh, what? Jesus is like, he starts telling them. He says, he started to reveal to them, show the disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised, uh, third day be raised. And Peter took him aside. Peter grabbed Jesus and took him up to the side away from the others and be like, Jesus, listen to what he says. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter rebuked God. Peter rebuked Jesus Christ. After Jesus, I can see Jesus now. You were so close. (laughs) He took him to the side and he rebuked him saying, far be it from you, Lord. (laughs) This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Peter goes from rock to Satan in 4.3 verses. He's like, man, God revealed that to you. And, and next time Peter opens his mouth, Satan. What was the difference? What? Source. He said, you are not setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. Not on the things of God. You're setting your mind on the things of man. How many times? Here is the practical application. And we still got a long way to go. Here's the practical application. What do you spend your time thinking about? What do you spend your time with your mind on? Do you spend it on the things of the world, on your job, on making money, on video games, on on good novels, on whatever, TV shows and this and that? And I'm not saying all of that stuff's terrible. All I'm saying is, what are you focused on? What are you seeking after? What are you longing to be filled with? Those who long for the things of God, they will have their field. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will have their field. You say, I'm just empty, Brandon. I just, I don't understand the Bible. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't feel the Lord. Well, how much time have you spent seeking the Lord? Because the Lord says, if you seek, you will find. The one who knocks, the door will be open. You say, I just don't feel like the door's open. But you're standing here like this. Or like this. And you're not even looking at the door. You're not pounding on the door. How often do you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning to go and pound on the door of the Lord? How many times do you, do you lay down at night and you think of these things? How many times do you write down uh, on, a, on an index card some verses so that you can uh, you memorize them and so that the Lord might write them on your heart? How many times do you spend the day when you've got free time in the car and you put in some worship music that's all about Jesus? Jesus, and you ride down the road blubbering because God's so good. 
How many times do you not need music at all, Brother Dan? You just get out into the woods and you look up at the trees swaying and you hear the trees going, and you say, glory to God. And don't let the trees and the rocks outdo you. Didn't we say we love Jesus? Da, 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 da. All just words to, to put into action. Well, we can't follow him by the will. So how do we follow him? Follow him by the Spirit. Check this out. This is going to be good, I think. God's word is good. Amen? Amen? Well, I've been really hitting, and, and I, <clears throat> if, we, if I had the brain for it and we had the time, we could just walk all the way through um, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, and we could just walk through all the intricate details of what Jesus said would happen and how he, he said, I got to go. And if I go, I, I, I wouldn't have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. He said, look, you can come to where I am. You can be found in me. And again, he's not. We always make that verse about heaven. We always make it about heaven. This isn't planned, but let's do this because we got a little time. <clears throat> okay. Uh, 14. I'm going to show you. That's not talking about heaven. Stop thinking about heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We should not be waiting to get there. We should be pursuing God so that there comes here. Yeah. That whole thing about, oh, one day I'll be with. No! He's here. He's inside of you. You're the temple of the living God. When he said, Father, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's meant through you. He comes to dwell inside of you. You're the temple of God. You're the tabernacle. You're the place where God comes to dwell amongst his people. John 14. Let's read it. I'm going to show you. John 14. 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house. Here's where people get messed up. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prayer? To prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and will take you to myself. That where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him. Lord we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know. I, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. He connects this idea of being the rooms in my Father's house. It's, it's, it's only a way to say that you will come and dwell with the Father. That you will be in family, familial relationship with the Father. You will be under the household. You will be under the, in the dwelling place of God. You will be the dwelling place of God. What he's talking about is not a place somewhere way out there. Do I believe in a real heaven? I absolutely do. But it's not what people think. It's not this far off place that one day we might get to know that heaven is oneness with Jesus Christ. 
Heaven is oneness with the Father. Heaven is being filled up, slammed full of the Holy Ghost, which gives you relationship with the Father and with the Son. You say, Brandon, you're reading into that text. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Check out what Jesus says in John chapter 17, which comes after this. <laughs> Check it out. It's so good. Uh, I don't know. Let's start in verse 6. Jesus says in John 17, 16, says, I have manifested your name, talking about the Father, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. Watch what he prays. Watch what he prays. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. You see how it correlates. Jesus had taught what would happen when he goes out. And he's, he's, he had taught that I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And here he prays to the Father about the disciples and about the believers who was left back on earth. But what he's saying is, I'm leaving them, Father. And it sounds like there's some, some concern in his voice. I'm leaving them. I won't be there with them any longer, Father. But I'm not, telling, I'm not praying for the world. I'm praying for the ones who you have given me. I am praying for yours. I am praying for the ones who have, been, who have believed and had faith. Listen to what he says. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father. Remember when he said, I go to, I'm coming to the Father. I'm going to the Father to prepare a place. He says, I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one. Somebody read the rest of it with me. That they may be one. Even as we are one. You see what he was going to do? You see what he was going to do? He was going to prepare a place that where I am you may be also. He was going <coughs> to make a way to prepare the way for the unification of all believers with the Father. Through the work of the Son by the sending of the Holy Spirit. You see it? Brethren, beloved, children of God, you're, you're to be totally other. You're, you're to be totally separate from this world. Now, the fundamentalists and the independents, they, and I'm not singling anybody out, but they teach that that means that we're to be separated from the people. That we're, to be, that we're, not, to, that we're not to be in close proximity to people or to the world. But Jesus is very clear here. He says, 
Keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been uh, lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. So he was, that was a done deal anyway. But now I am coming to you, uh, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Here it is. Here it is. Please listen. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. But that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself. That they also may be sanctified. Now he goes on, and, and, I, and I need to move to this next point because it's, it's really good, but... He goes on and he's been teaching this whole time that he's got to go away. He said, I got to go away so that when I go away, I can send the helper to you. And he'll bring, he'll teach you in all truth. And he'll bring to remembrance all these things. Uh, he'll lead you and, and, and he'll, he'll, uh, he'll guide you and he'll set you apart. He'll... He'll do all this work in you. But outside of him, it won't happen. And the oneness that comes with the Father through the Son is applied and made active and sealed forever by the Spirit. John 20. It's hot up in here. Somebody turn the heat on. John 20, starting in verse 19. Okay, now, I've skipped a little bit, but I'm, I'm trying to get this out. So he had, he, had, he had foretold and prophesied all these things. He had taught them, and it's beautiful. If you just go through and watch how he taught them so many things. And uh, so he had told them way earlier to follow him. Take up your cross, follow me. We talked about that. Okay? What does it mean to follow him? We talked about Jesus clarifying that, that it was a self-sacrificial love. This is a new thing. Not that, not that loving God wasn't important before, but the new, thing, the new part is, is the ability now through the work of Jesus Christ by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to be able to do these things. That's the newness. So the example that, that, that Jesus set and the ability that the Holy Spirit brings is the newness. And, and this was unavailable beforehand like it would be now. The Holy Spirit would move on people. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit was not active in the Old Testament. What I mean is the Holy Spirit did not indwell every believer in the same way as he does in the New Testament. That's very, very clear. But look at John 20. <laughs> and remember back to how jacked up Peter was. And Peter was like, you know, you're the, Jesus like, you're the rock. And then 4.3 verses, he was like, you're Satan. <laughs> you know, get behind me. And then <clears throat> when he was in John chapter 13 and he said, uh, you know, where I'm going, you can't go right now. You can't follow me right now. And Peter's like, yes, I will. And Jesus is like, no, you'll deny me before the, uh, 
uh, rooster even crows three times. But he's saying, but afterward. You can't follow me now, but afterward. He didn't get it, but, but, but Jesus was telling the truth. Well, we're getting to the afterward, okay? We're getting to the afterward. So how do we follow him? <clears throat> By the Spirit. So John chapter 20, <clears throat> starting in verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. Now, Jesus, let me set a little bit here. I should, probably should have done that. At this point, Jesus has already been crucified, okay? He had already been resurrected. He had appeared several times. Uh, he uh, had shown them himself. Uh, he's about to show himself again. And this is the section where, uh, where Doubton Thomas gets his Doubton part of his name. Uh, he, and, and Thomas is like, yeah, right. You know, let me see your hands. Let me see your, let me see your feet. And, and, he, and, side. And, and he did. He showed him. He showed him. But, but Jesus is going to say, You'd be more blessed if you didn't have to see, but, you know, so that you can see. But anyway, Jesus, now, now, here's the stage. The disciples were scared to death. Scared to death. Peter had already denied him. They had watched Jesus Christ be brutally murdered. A few of them did anyway. They had watched him carry the cross. And I wonder if they were remembering in the flesh <laughs> that Jesus is like, you're going to follow me. Yeah, 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 they and they wouldn't have known this then, but as these things were unfolding to the flesh, can you imagine? Like your master had, was like, well, you, you, you need to follow me. And you're like, I'll follow you anywhere. And, no, and, and then, I, you know, your master says, no, you won't be able to, but you're going to. And you're like, okay, I don't get that, whatever. And then like maybe a, a few months later, you see, you, you see Jesus and he's like, ugh blood just dripping off of them. You're like, I remember something about taking up a cross and follow. Oh, Lord. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you were in the flesh, you'd be like, uh, no. Where would you go? Where do you think you would go? Hide. Where? Maybe in an upper room with the door locked? John chapter 20. That's what I would do, right? Any of you would. You're right. I mean, y'all won't even go witness to somebody. You know, Jesus is like carrying his cross, and we're like, but, but I might get embarrassed. <laughs> you know, Jesus is like, you got to follow me, and you got to die and like really bleed. And we're like, but I don't even want to get embarrassed. Okay, that's, that's free conviction. Oh, sorry. John chapter 20. I, don't worry, I struggle with it too. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. You see what I'm talking about? Leslie, you're right. I would, you did the same thing they did, right? You said, I would go hide. I would go hide. So they ran into an upper room, the upper room, and they locked the door. And they were scared to death. Scared of who? Scared of the Jews. Who had done what? Who had made sure that Jesus Christ was crucified by the hands of the Romans. Put him to death, right? So they were scared to death. Well, <laughs> Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Okay, now I wrote in the top of my Bible right here, Ninja Jesus. Because I love Ninja Jesus. It doesn't say he opened the door. I like it. You know? They're, so, so, listen, they're already scared. I just think Jesus has got a sense of humor. All the reform staunch, you know, independent guys, they, they disagree with me, but I don't really care. But I think he's got a sense of humor. So here they are. They're like, and Jesus is like, peace be with you. <laughs> I'll, I'll imagine it that way. And I can imagine it however I want, okay? As long as the words stay the same. And I imagine them going, oh, Lord. Right? They were scared to death. I mean, he, did, he was sleeping in the boat. That's got to be a sense of humor. 
because he's God. He knew. He knew. And he's over there sleeping, and they're like freaking out. And these are like professional sailors. And they're like, you're just sleeping over there. And he's like, what's wrong with y'all? He's powerful. So he, he ninjas in, and, and he's like, peace be with you. And uh, when he had said this, he showed them his hand. I like this part because it shows that he understands our weakness. He does. You know, we just, we're not persecuted enough, right? And I know you don't like me saying that, but like Jesus is like, American evangelicals are, are really lazy, and they're disobedient, so I'm going to turn the heat up. So now we've got all these abortion things, LBGQTF and, and Czar and Z. And he's going to say, I'm, I'm bringing this persecution. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to start to legislate. I'm going to allow the legislation, legislation of laws that will force you to disobey me or to disobey and, and be civilly disobedient, which will bring persecution. You watch and mark my words. Now, I'm not saying the end is at hand or the end is near. Maybe it is, maybe it ain't. But what I'm telling you is, is that we become too relaxed in our Christianity. We live in our big houses. We live on our hills. I, I live on a hill. We think that we've got it made, and we do. But God is calling us to do the little things. We've not been faithful in the little things, so he's about to rock us out of our little bitty comfort zone. I have no doubt in my mind that that's what's coming. And if you're not a true Christian, and if you don't have the Spirit living inside of you, you'll run away like a little girl, like a little boy. Hey, there ain't none of, hey, don't let me stand up here. I pray, I pray. I pray that the Holy Spirit would hold me fast because I'll run like a little girl too if the Holy Spirit doesn't do His work. Are you really a Christian? Are you, do you have the Holy Spirit living and abiding in you in such a way that it causes you to do things that are uncomfortable for you and you are willing to be embarrassed? Are you a true believer? Or is there evidence of your faith? Do you walk by the power of the Holy Spirit? Do you walk in the Spirit? Do you walk according to the flesh? You know, he said, <clears throat> when Peter said that... Uh, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Will you stand up and say, Jesus is Christ, the Son of the living God? You know what caused him to say that? It says it in the text. He says that God has revealed this to you. And, and later on, we see why he failed. Because he hadn't set his mind on the things of the Spirit, but he had set his mind on the things of man, right? So by, by implication and by deduction, we can see that if he sets his mind on the things of the Spirit, that it causes him to stand up and say, Jesus Christ is Lord and God. But if he sets his mind on the things of the world, he cowers down and he rebukes Jesus Christ. So the question is, are you a true believer or are you not? You know? You're going to lose a member. You're going to lose somebody talking like that. Well, I'd rather lose you in here and maybe you gain eternity forever here in the truth of God than you stay right here comfortable and your pants is on fire. Listen to what he says. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. How did the Father send Jesus? As a servant, as a sacrifice. But what was the what was the source by which carried him along? The Spirit. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they'll be forgiven. If you deny anybody forgiveness, they will be denied. 
meaning that by their walking in the power and the boldness of the King of kings and the Lord of lords as they proclaimed the gospel, those who received it would be saved and those who didn't would be condemned. And what happens after this? Now, okay, okay. We could say that if you're not doing the things of God, you're just not a believer. But that's not for me to say. And really, it's hard for you to say. A tree will be known by the fruit that it bears. And some of you, okay, now I am saying some of you. Because I know a lot of you. And some of you don't have any fruit. I'm just being honest. If you do, I don't see it. And I don't have to see it. I don't have to see it. I'm not condemning you. All I'm saying is that I want to warn you. Okay? I do the same to myself. Like Paul, I want to examine myself to see whether or not I'll be in the faith. Your fruit does not make you a Christian. But it oftentimes proves the truthfulness and reality of your Christianity. Now, the reason I say that here is that I do believe that there are many of you in this room that have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. That you have truly come to a saving faith of Jesus Christ. But you're not moving. You're just stagnant. You're sitting still. You're not a powerful man of God. You're not a powerful woman of God. You're very soft and you're very weak and you're very cowardly. And, and you walk around and you love the things of the world more than you love the things of God. Now, I could just point a finger and condemn you and just say, you don't know God, you need to get saved. And that might be the case. It might very. I'm not the judge, but I say examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. That's between you and God. And today, we'll give you an opportunity to confess the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and receive the Holy Spirit. But there's another group in here that did what Peter did. Even upon receiving the Holy Spirit, Amber, there was a, there was a time when, when Peter and the others had received the Holy Spirit. you know what they did? I'd like to say that they received the Holy Spirit and they just jumped right up and they started doing what God called them to do. But they didn't. They didn't. What did they do? Anybody know what they did? They went back to their old life. They went to fishing. Now, in Mark chapter 6, he actually, this is, this is how interwoven the scriptures are. So beautiful. Jesus actually tells them when he first calls them, he's like, hey, look, y'all want to be fishers of men? Because that's what my business is about. And they dropped their nets and they followed him. Well, what happened in that instance? And this is not in here, so I hope I don't misquote. But what happened in that instance? What happened the first time when he called them and the Holy Spirit hadn't been given yet? Do you remember what happened? To show them, I think, to show them that he was God and that he had power. What did he do? They had been fishing all night long. Did they catch anything? Not a darn thing. But then Jesus came along. What did he say? Cast your net out on the right side of the boat. And he, he cast, they cast their net out on the right side of the boat. What happens? He said that they were hauling it in, and I can see them now. Lord have mercy. They was hauling that net in, and the net was so full. What happened to the net? Anybody? It broke. It started breaking. And the, what happened to the boat? The boat was sinking. 
So they was trying to fish. They was trying to get, they was pulling these fish in and the net was ripping and this is their livelihood. This would be like my bucket truck breaking down, right? Their nets is breaking and they like, this joker done bless us so much it's breaking us. We can't handle the blessing. They couldn't handle the blessing. They couldn't handle the call. Come on, that's good. They couldn't handle the call yet because God in the flesh had not ascended to rescind the spirit so that they could receive the blessing and the call and walk it out. Well, listen to this. In John chapter 21, he said, now listen, they went back to fishing. They received the Holy Spirit. He says it. He breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit, but then they went back to fishing. Fishing for fish, not for men. Well, as they're out there on the water, <laughs> they're fishing. They ain't catching nothing. Remind you of anything? They ain't catching nothing. I, I see this as they're quenching the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't resist the Holy Spirit. You can resist the Holy Spirit. The Bible says don't quench the Holy Spirit with all of your unrighteousness. You can quench the Holy Spirit. Now, had they received the Holy Spirit, I got to go by the text, and it seems like they had. So we got to say, Why'd they go back to fishing, not doing what God called them to do? I don't know. Stupidity, uh, selfishness, love of the world, uh, mistrusting God like he wasn't going to provide for their needs. After Jesus Christ had ascended to heaven, maybe they were like, what do we do now? I got to pay my bills. Trusting in the things of the world. It says, <laughs> Peter said to them, this is verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I love it. This is so good. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. You see how far they walked away? They didn't even know Jesus. Just in verse, just in chapter 20, he had just appeared in the upper room and breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And there he's over there on the shore and they can't even recognize him. Christian. And now let me say to Christians, Christian, have you walked so far away from God? Have you silenced the Holy Spirit to the degree that you can't even recognize Jesus anymore? Have you gone so far away from King Jesus that you can't even recognize his call or his voice? When he cries out to you, you can't even understand who he is? I'm afraid this is what's happened to a lot of us. It's happened to me before. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know <laughs> that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? like he didn't know. Do you see what I'm telling you? He's a funny guy. Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. Who, which one? Which one said? The disciple whom Jesus loved. We understand that to be John. Everybody thinks that's John. I agree. I love the fact that the one who loved him recognized him first. 
But it goes on. It gets so, it's good. It's good. Uh, he, he said to Peter, he had to remind Peter. I'm more like Peter. I wish I was more like John, but I'm more like Peter. It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, I like this, though. I like this about Peter. He put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. I don't know why they weren't naked. I and threw himself into the sea. I love that. You know what it makes me think of every time? Forrest Gump. Every time. Lieutenant Dan. And when his mama got sick, what did he do? Forrest, your mama's sick. He just dove. He swung, ran, ran the whole way home. He says he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net of full fish. Now, do you think God's word makes a mistake? Does God's word ever make a mistake? Every word is meaningful, right? Watch this. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Did the boat sink? <clears throat> no. When they got off, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. I love that he just builds a fire there and he says he's having a little camp out with them. We have the, see how personal Jesus is? Christian, listen, he longs to talk with you and walk with you and, and be with you and hold you and, and, and command you, yes, and discipline you, yes, uh, and, and, but encourage you and, and, and all these things. <coughs> he says, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. You think that's an accident? The net was not torn. He goes on. He says, come and have some breakfast. You remember what Jesus said? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who would answer the door, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. What do you think that he was trying to show him here? He was trying to show them that the blessings that I have for you and the call for you, I have for you, you can handle now. The boat won't sink. The net, the net won't rip. You will be able to do what I've called you to do, and we will have an intimate fellowship together, and I will feed you. And what I am doing and what I am saying, you are to do as well. You are to follow me in the example that I have set. You say, why do you say that, Brandon? Because look at what he says next. What did he do? What did he do? Out of the love for his children. Children, have you caught any fish? Out of the love for his children, he gives them food to eat, calls them over, prepares a fire to cook it on, and he feeds his sheep. And what does he say? The Lord is here in this place. Who agrees? Who agrees? The Lord is here in this place. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to them, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? More than what? More than what? Somebody tell me. The fish, the work, the status, the money. Do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. You see him saying, follow me? He said, feed my lambs. He said to him, he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
truly, truly, I say to you, oh, this is so good. Now you remember. Now you remember. We're drawing it to a close right here. You remember, Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't come. Peter said, I'll follow you anywhere, even to the death. And Jesus said, no, you won't. The rooster won't even crow three times and you'll deny me. Not now. You can't follow me. You can't follow me now, but you will afterward. What's the afterward? After receiving the power of the Holy Spirit and the call from Jesus Christ. He said, do you love me a third time? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, uh, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted to, according to your will. You used to do what you wanted to do. You used to do things according to your will, according to the spirit of man. You used to do things according to the flesh. You used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were, when you were old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Come on. Anybody know how Peter was killed? Stretched out his hands on a cross. And he did it, he did it all the way to death, but he cried out to his crucifiers he said please don't crucify me right side up I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord so they turned him upside down and they crucified him upside down did he follow Jesus yes he did I, I don't have time but you go and you look at Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 2 what he's talking about here what he's talking about here is that he's it's not following him into heaven it's following him into the kingdom and as we follow Jesus Christ, you'll see that when he received this call, that, that the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, he speaks to him in Acts chapter 1 about the coming of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom would come as the Holy Spirit was given in power, that the word of God would go out to all corners of the world, and the Holy Spirit would empower them to die like Jesus. And remember what it said about Stephen in Acts chapter 6. It said Stephen being full of the Holy Spirit opened up his mouth and he preached the gospel what happened to him they started to stone him to death they started to stone him and the, the, the ones that was murdering him plugged their ears and they said nah. it said they grit their teeth together and they, they hated him and they but what did he do he said Stephen filled up full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and he looked and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father and he says God forgive them they don't know what they're doing you see how Jesus Christ followed I mean Stephen followed Jesus Christ all the way up till he uttered the same words God forgive them they don't know what they're doing you want to follow Jesus it's not about some checklist it's not about coming to this place every time it's not about any of this it's about sacrificing yourself by the power of the Holy Spirit you want to do that the way that you do that uh, Allison, the way that you do that, Cesar, the way that you do that, brother, is that you set your mind not on the things of the flesh, but you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. For the mind that is set on the flesh is death, but the mind that is set on the Spirit is life and peace. Walk not according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit, I say. Walk according to the Spirit. Set your mind on the things above, like Peter when he said, and he cried out, and he affirmed, you are Christ, Son of the living God. I don't know how to make it any more clear than that. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. 
We need the Holy Spirit to cause us to walk in the light of Christ and to be conformed to the image of the Son of God that we might be able to complete and fulfill the will of the Father. It can't be flesh. It can't be physical, guys. you got to continually seek after the things of God. It's time to draw it to a close. Let's all stand to our feet. I, I really just want to ask you as my friends, look. I'm just like you, Nate. I want to, do you want to do the things of God? I really do too. Adam, you want to do the things of God? Marcus, you want to do the things of God? Ben, you want to do the things of God? Amen. Y'all want to do the things of God? Look, I do too. You want to do the things of God? You want to be a godly man, right? <laughs> you want to be a godly man, Dylan? I want to be a godly man. Rachel, you want to be a godly woman moved by the power of the Holy Spirit and able to see the thing is is that a lot of times it just requires trust, right? I talked to Charlie about this. Who was I talking to about this? I was talking to, I think Robert I was talking to about this. Dang, who was I talking to the other day? Listen, we, uh, it's not a checklist. It's not a, it's a trust thing. I don't, I don't really know how else to say it. It's, I know it's a completely other thing. It's a supernatural thing. Here's what I'm telling you. I know you're a practical people. Uh, when, here's, this is good. We'll end on this. When Jesus came to the upper room, he was going to give them the Holy Spirit. But he knew their weakness. So what did he do? What did he do first? Did he blow them to the Holy Spirit? Did he, did he give them the Holy Spirit first? What did he say that he did? He came over and he showed them his hands. And he showed him his feet. He showed him. You see, Hebrews says that we are to lay aside every sin that so easily entangles and everything that corrupts, everything that, that, that binds us. And we are to set our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising its shame to love to follow Jesus is to be filled up with the Holy Spirit to a degree that it's not about you anymore it's not about you it's not about me it's about everybody else before it is about me this week today if you've not received the Holy Spirit if you've believed with your man, mind and not with your being and that's between you and God I can't point that out I, I, I don't know come and let's pray let's lay hands on you let's let's cry out to God that he would that he would pour on you the Holy Spirit that he would pour into me the Holy Spirit in such a way that they would look at you and they would say I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that man is following after Jesus that that woman is following after Jesus let your good works so shine before men that they see and glorify your Father in heaven. Do you walk according to the scriptures? Do you, Jeremy? Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. The one that he says that he loves me but does not keep my commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in it. Let's, 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 let's submit today to God. And if you're a Christian and you know you are, but you've strayed far from Jesus, almost like Peter, and you can't even, you can't even hear his voice anymore, then come back. Come back. Come back. Okay, that's all I got. That's all I got. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's turn these lights down. You can join me here in the middle. You can, 
<laughs> go up to the front. You can pray where you are. Let's do business with God, please. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move in this place. God, there are so many people here who are holding on to that chair, who are holding on to that life. They're holding on to their 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 desires, their fleshly longings, their cravings and, and even now as I'm speaking the Holy Spirit is he's calling out to them and, and, and they're having all of these things come up to their minds and they're, they're saying I don't want to lose this and the picture's there. I don't want to lose that and the picture's there. But Jesus Christ is calling us to drop everything and come and follow Him. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, and, and enable us, God. Lead us, bring us, draw us, cause us, God. Control us with the love of Jesus. Amen. Do business with God.